Part 2 of Chapter 15 of Pilot's Handbook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arthur Flavel. Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge by the FAA. Part 2 of Chapter 15 Navigation. Variation. Variation is the angle between true north and magnetic north. It is expressed as east variation or west variation depending upon whether magnetic north, MN, is to the east or west of true north, TN. The north magnetic pole is located close to 71 degrees north latitude, 96 degrees west longitude, and is about 1,300 miles from the geographic or true north pole as indicated in figure 15-8. If the Earth were uniformly magnetized, the compass needle would point toward the magnetic pole, in which case the variation between true north, as shown by the geographical meridians, and magnetic north, as shown by the magnetic meridians, could be measured at any intersection of the meridians. Actually, the Earth is not uniformly magnetized. In the United States, the needle usually points in the general direction of the magnetic pole, but it may vary in certain geographical localities by many degrees. Consequently, the exact amount of variation at thousands of selected locations in the United States has been carefully determined. The amount and direction of variation, which change slightly from time to time, are shown on most aeronautical charts as broken magenta lines, called isogonic lines, which connect points of equal magnetic variation. The line connecting points at which there is no variation between true north and magnetic north is the agonic line. An isogonic chart is shown in figure 15-9. Minor bends and turns in the isogonic and agonic lines are caused by unusual geological conditions affecting magnetic forces in these areas. On the west coast of the United States, the compass needle points to the east of true north. On the east coast, the compass needle points to the west of true north. Zero-degree variation exists on the agonic line, where magnetic north and true north coincide. This line runs roughly west of the Great Lakes, south through Wisconsin, Illinois, western Tennessee, and along the border of Mississippi and Alabama. Compare figures 15-9 and 15-10. Because courses are measured in reference to geographical meridians which point toward true north, and these courses are maintained by reference to the compass, which points along a magnetic meridian in the general direction of magnetic north, the true direction must be converted into magnetic direction for the purpose of flight. This conversion is made by adding or subtracting the variation which is indicated by the nearest isogonic line on the chart. For example, a line drawn between two points on a chart is called a true course as it is measured from true north. However, flying this course off the magnetic compass would not provide an accurate course between the two points due to three elements that must be considered. The first is magnetic variation the second is compass deviation, and the third is wind correction. All three must be considered for accurate navigation. Magnetic Variation 
As mentioned in the paragraph discussing variation, the appropriate variation for the geographical location of the flight must be considered and added or subtracted as appropriate. If flying across an area where the variation changes, then the values must be applied along the route of flight appropriately. Once applied, this new course is called the magnetic course. Magnetic deviation. Because each aircraft has its own internal effect upon the onboard compass systems from its own localized magnetic influencers, the pilot must add or subtract these influencers based upon the direction he or she is flying. The application of deviation, taken from a compass deviation card, compensates the magnetic course unique to that aircraft's compass system, as affected by localized magnetic influencers, and it now becomes the compass course. Therefore, the compass course when followed in a no-wind condition takes the aircraft from point A to point B even though the aircraft heading may not match the original course line drawn on the chart. If the variation is shown as 9 degrees east, this means that magnetic north is 9 degrees east of true north. If a true course of 360 degrees is to be flown, 9 degrees must be subtracted from 360 degrees, which results in a magnetic heading of 351 degrees. To fly east, a magnetic course of 081 degrees, 090 degrees minus 9 degrees, would be flown. To fly south, the magnetic course would be 171 degrees, 180 degrees minus 9 degrees. To fly west, it would be 261 degrees, 270 degrees minus 9 degrees. To fly a true heading of 060 degrees, a magnetic course of 051 degrees, 060 degrees minus 9 degrees, would be flown. Remember, if variation is west, add. If east, subtract. One method for remembering whether to add or subtract variation is the phrase, east is least, subtract, and west is best, add. Deviation. Determining the magnetic heading is an intermediate step necessary to obtain the correct compass heading for the flight. To determine compass heading, a correction for deviation must be made. Because of magnetic influences within an aircraft, such as electrical circuits, radio, lights, tools, engine, and magnetized metal parts, the compass needle is frequently deflected from its normal reading. This deflection is deviation. The deviation is different for each aircraft, and it also may vary for different headings in the same aircraft. For instance, if magnetism in the engine attracts the north end of the compass, there would be no effect when the plane is on a heading of magnetic north. On easterly and westerly headings, however, the compass indications would be in error, as shown in figure 15-11. Magnetic attraction can come from many other parts of the aircraft. The assumption of attraction in the engine is merely used for the purpose of illustration. Some adjustment of the compass, referred to as compensation, can be made to reduce this error, but the remaining correction must be applied by the pilot. Proper compensation of the compass is best performed by a competent technician. Since the magnetic forces within the aircraft change because of landing shocks, vibration, mechanical work, or changes in equipment, 
the pilot should occasionally have the deviation of the compass checked. The procedure used to check the deviation, called swinging the compass, is briefly outlined. The aircraft is placed on a magnetic compass rose. The engine started, and the electrical devices normally used, such as radio, are turned on. Tailwheel-type aircraft should be jacked up into flying position. The aircraft is aligned with magnetic north indicated on the compass rose, and the reading shown on the compass is recorded on a deviation card. The aircraft is then aligned at 30-degree intervals, and each reading is recorded. If the aircraft is to be flown at night, the lights are turned on and any significant changes in the readings are noted. If so, additional entries are made for use at night. The accuracy of the compass can also be checked by comparing the compass reading with the known runway headings. A deviation card, similar to figure 15-12, is mounted near the compass, showing the addition or subtraction required to correct for deviation on various headings, usually at intervals of 30 degrees. For intermediate readings, the pilot should be able to interpolate mentally with sufficient accuracy. For example, if the pilot needed the correction for 195 degrees and noted the correction for 180 degrees to be 0 degrees and for 210 degrees to be plus 2 degrees, it could be assumed that the correction for 195 degrees would be plus 1 degree. The magnetic heading, when corrected for deviation, is known as compass heading. Effective wind. The preceding discussion explained how to measure a true course on the aeronautical chart and how to make corrections for variation and deviation. But one important factor has not been considered. Wind. As discussed in the study of the atmosphere, wind is a mass of air moving over the surface of the earth in a definite direction. When the wind is blowing from the north at 25 knots, it simply means that air is moving southward over the Earth's surface at the rate of 25 nautical miles in one hour. Under these conditions, any inert object free from contact with the Earth is carried 25 nautical miles southward in one hour. This effect becomes apparent when such things as clouds, dust, and toy balloons are observed being blown along by the wind. Obviously, an aircraft flying within the moving mass of air is similarly affected. Even though the aircraft does not float freely with the wind, it moves through the air at the same time the air is moving over the ground, thus is affected by wind. Consequently, at the end of one hour of flight, the aircraft is in a position which results from a combination of the following two motions. Movement of the air mass in reference to the ground forward movement of the aircraft through the air mass. Actually, these two motions are independent. It makes no difference whether the mass of air through which the aircraft is flying is moving or is stationary. A pilot flying in a 70-knot gale would be totally unaware of any wind, except for possible turbulence, unless the ground were observed. In reference to the ground, however, the aircraft would appear to fly faster with a tailwind or slower with a headwind, or to drift right or left with a crosswind. As shown in figure 15-13, an aircraft flying eastward at an airspeed of 120 knots in still air has a ground speed, GS, exactly the same, 120 knots. 
if the mass of air is moving eastward at 20 knots the airspeed of the aircraft is not affected but the progress of the aircraft over the ground is 120 plus 20 or a gs of 140 knots on the other hand if the mass of air is moving westward at 20 knots the airspeed of the aircraft remains the same but gs becomes 120 minus 20 or 100 knots assuming no correction is made for wind effect if an aircraft is heading eastward at 120 knots and the air mass moving southward at 20 knots the aircraft at the end of one hour is almost 120 miles east of its point of departure because of its progress through the air it is 20 miles south because of the motion of the air under these circumstances the airspeed remains 120 knots but the gs is determined by combining the movement of the aircraft with that of the air mass gs can be measured as the distance from the point of departure to the position of the aircraft at the end of one hour the gs can be computed by the time required to fly between two points a known distance apart it can also be determined before flight by constructing a wind triangle which is explained later in this chapter refer to figure 15-14 the direction in which the aircraft is pointing as it flies is heading its actual path over the ground which is a combination of the motion of the aircraft and the motion of the air is its track the angle between the heading and the track is drift angle if the aircraft heading coincides with the true course and the wind is blowing from the left the track does not coincide with the true course the wind causes the aircraft to drift to the right so the track falls to the right of the desired course or true course refer to figure 15-15 the following method is used by many pilots to determine compass heading after the tc is measured and the wind correction applied resulting in a th the sequence th plus or minus variation v equals magnetic heading mh plus or minus deviation d equals compass heading ch is followed to arrive at compass heading refer to figure 15-16 by determining the amount of drift the pilot can counteract the effect of the wind and make the track of the aircraft coincide with the desired course if the mass of air is moving across the course from the left the aircraft drifts to the right and a correction must be made by heading the aircraft sufficiently to the left to offset this drift to state in another way if the wind is from the left the correction is made by pointing the aircraft to the left a certain number of degrees therefore correcting for wind drift this is the wind correction angle wca and is expressed in terms of degrees right or left of the true course refer to figure 15-17 to summarize course intended path of an aircraft over the ground or the direction of a line drawn on a chart representing the intended aircraft path expressed as the angle measured from a specific reference datum clockwise from zero degrees through 360 degrees to the line heading direction in which the nose of the aircraft points during flight track actual path made over the ground in flight 
If proper correction has been made for the wind, track and course are identical. Drift angle. Angle between heading and track. WCA. Correction applied to the course to establish a heading so that track coincides with course. Airspeed. Rate of the aircraft's progress through the air. GS. Rate of the aircraft's in-flight progress over the ground. Basic Calculations Before a cross-country flight, a pilot should make common calculations for time, speed, and distance, and the amount of fuel required. Converting Minutes to Equivalent Hours Frequently, it is necessary to convert minutes into equivalent hours when solving speed, time, and distance problems. To convert minutes to hours, divide by 60. 60 minutes equal one hour. Thus, 30 minutes is 30 divided by 60 equals 0 0.5 hours. To convert hours to minutes, multiply by 60. Thus, 0 0.75 hour equals 0 0.75 times 60 equals 45 minutes. Time. T equals D divided by GS. To find the time, T, in flight, divide the distance, D, by the GS. The time to fly 210 nautical miles at a GS of 140 knots is 210 divided by 140, or 1 1.5 hours. The 0 0.5 hour multiplied by 60 minutes equals 30 minutes. Answer, 1 hour, 30 minutes. Distance, D equals GS times T. To find the distance flown in a given time, multiply ground speed by time. The distance flown in 1 hour, 45 minutes at a ground speed of 120 knots is 120 times 1.75 or 210 nautical miles. GS. GS equals D divided by T. To find the ground speed, divide the distance flown by the time required. If an aircraft flies 270 nautical miles in three hours, the ground speed is 270 divided by three equals 90 knots. Converting knots to miles per hour. Another conversion is that of changing knots to miles per hour, MPH. The aviation industry is using knots more frequently than MPH, but it might be well to discuss the conversion for those that use MPH when working with speed problems. The National Weather Service reports both surface winds and winds aloft in knots. However, airspeed indicators in some aircraft are calibrated in MPH although many are now calibrated in both miles per hour and knots. Pilots, therefore, should learn to convert wind speeds that are reported in knots to miles per hour. A knot is one nautical mile per hour, NMPH. Because there are 6,076.1 feet in one nautical mile and 5,280 feet in one statute mile, the conversion factor is 1.15. To convert knots to miles per hour, multiply speed in knots by 1.15. For example, a wind speed of 20 knots is equivalent to 23 miles per hour. 
Most flight computers or electronic calculators have a means of making this conversion. Another quick method of conversion is to use the scales of nautical miles and statute miles at the bottom of aeronautical charts. Fuel consumption. Aircraft fuel consumption is frequently computed in gallons per hour. Consequently, to determine the fuel required for a given flight, the time required for the flight must be known. Time in flight multiplied by rate of consumption gives the quantity of fuel required. For example, a flight of 400 nautical miles at a ground speed of 100 knots requires four hours. If an aircraft consumes five gallons an hour, the total consumption is four times five, or 20 gallons. The rate of fuel consumption depends on many factors. Condition of the engine, propeller or rotor pitch, propeller or rotor revolutions per minute, RPM, richness of the mixture, and particularly the percentage of horsepower used for flight at cruising speed. The pilot should know the approximate consumption rate from cruise performance charts or from experience. In addition to the amount of fuel required for the flight, there should be sufficient fuel for reserve. Flight computers. Up to this point, only mathematical formulas have been used to determine such items as time, distance, speed, and fuel consumption. In reality, most pilots use a mechanical or electronic flight computer. These devices can compute numerous problems associated with flight planning and navigation. The mechanical or electronic computer has an instruction book that probably includes sample problems so the pilot can become familiar with its functions and operation. Refer to figure 15-18. Plotter. Another aid in flight planning is a plotter, which is a protractor and ruler. The pilot can use this when determining true course and measuring distance. Most plotters have a ruler which measures in both nautical miles and statute miles and has a scale for a sectional chart on one side and a world aeronautical chart on the other. Refer to figure 15-18. End of part 2 of chapter 15.